If you have your Bibles, please open with me to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be looking at verses 8 and 10, and then we'll jump to 17 and 19. Let's open in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for calling us by name. Knowing us, snatching us out of the miry clay. Thank you for your son that you gave for us to redeem us back to you. And we ask this morning that you will speak to us, that you will increase our faith, that you will fan that flame as we learn from those that have gone before us. So, Lord, we look to you to speak to guide, to direct, to empower us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in the book of Hebrews, and Hebrews is that hall of faith, if you remember. In fact, looking at this book, and I kind of look, where are we going in it? And it looks like we're going to finish the, again, chapter 11, right before Easter. And then on Easter, I'm, I'm still pondering for sure where we're going to go. But, but the idea is going to be really faith in Christ Jesus. See, I encourage you to bring out a friend at that time or have them watch us online because we're going to talk about salvation. We're going to talk about really what Jesus did for each of us. And we're going to see the proof, the, the resurrection of Christ. It's a time that people are more sensitive than any other time of the year next to Christmas. So I encourage you now to begin praying for them. Pray that they will respond, whether they come or they watch online. Pray that God would open up their hearts and their minds. And what we're going to be going through here is faith. What does faith look like? And what should it look like in our life? And how do we live that life of faith? And and then we'll look at Easter and that Resurrection Sunday. And and hopefully right after that, I'm working with a a gentleman named Danny Lehman. He's been here before. And he's going to come and share on evangelism. How to speak to those around us. How to share our faith without pushing people away. So what I'm encouraging you to do is pray. And then have anticipation, expectation that God is going to move in a wonderful way. You receive not because you ask not. Again, if you've turned in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 through 10 and 17 through 19, we're going to be looking at the the willingness of faith. We're looking at the life of Abraham today. And I'd like to give you first some background where Abraham came from. The, the place, his original home, let's say, was a place called Ur of Chaldees. It's what we would call the modern-day Iraq. And it's important to understand, it's in 1991, Desert Storm was right in that exact area. 
it was a port at that time and in the silt through the years is, is filled that area up and is quite far from the sea, but this is the place that Abraham was at. It was a place, again, that was very prosperous. It was a place that was very pagan. There were idolaters. They were moon worshipers. And God called and snatched Abraham right out of that fire. And this is interesting as you begin to think about it. It was a major place. He had everything going for him. Comfortable. Prosperous. His family there with him. And God's going to call him from that place to leave all of that. God has called you and God's called me. The problem with that place, as I've already kind of mentioned, it was prosperous. Why we may not think it's prosperous in this country, this country is very prosperous compared to the rest of the world. You have lights, you have electricity for the most part. You could go to a store that's fully stocked in most cases, even during this difficult time. And at the same time, you're in a community that's almost as pagan as it was where Abraham lived. We have idolaters worshiping all kinds of different gods, whether it be the creation or whatever it would be. Recently, I looked at some sites that are very popular sites, and I'm horrified where the professing church is moving toward, being entertained by them. Fascinated with the the mysterious things. This is one of the reasons why Israel had missed the Messiah. Because the Messiah to them wasn't enough. And the problem today in in the church is Jesus is not enough. But for the true believer, Jesus is enough. He knows that he fills him, calms him, gives him peace. But just as Abraham was in this world, the poles of the world were pulling him, we're going to see that he responded to God. I'd like to read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 first. Speaking about the believer, he says, You are dead in your trespasses and your sins, in which you were formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Just as, again, that God snatched Abraham out, God initiated, Abraham had to respond. God has snatched you and me. He's initiated that call to you, to me. And as a believer, you've responded. See, what we're going to focus upon is really Abraham's had a willing faith. 
Every believer should have a willing faith. It will be seen in many ways. And whatever God had called for, whether it was to leave his home, to offer up his son, he was willing to obey God. See, that's what's important. Well, willing faith is one that's willing to do whatever God calls you to do, to, to pack up and move away. To leave your past behind, the comfort behind, to live simply and live for Him. Well, the listening faith is where this willing faith begins, is listening. Are you listening to God? See, unless you're listening to God, you will never respond with a willing faith. It begins with listening. Look with me in Hebrews eleven eight. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. By going out to the place which he was to receive for inheritance, he went out not knowing where he was going. Wow. There's many people that, if God would call, he just needs to tell me the details and then I'll go. They're waiting for God to give them all the, what's going to happen the next 20 years before they'll ever respond And they will never respond because God does not tell us all the details of everything in advance. He tells us he's coming again. The willing faith is willing to do whatever he would have you do. It may be moving to another city. It may be changing a job. It may be giving up your lifestyle, whatever that may be, for God. What are you willing to give up for God? A willing faith will go no matter where, no matter when, and wherever, trusting God completely. Abraham heard God. He believed God. He obeyed God. God called Abraham and Haran to go to Canaan. Let me read that for you from Genesis 12, verse 1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house, to a land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And you, all the families of the earth, will be blessed. So Abraham went forth. As the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with them, and Abram was 75 years old, and he departed from Haran. Abraham did not know where he was going. He just knew that God said, go. That was good enough. He knew that God said he would bless him, but he didn't say how. And sometimes the way that we think God's going to bless us is not the way he's going to bless us. Sometimes we already have the blessing and he just simply opens up our eyes to see what we have. Sometimes we don't realize what we have until we almost lose it. Have you been in that situation? And you realize how important this is or that is. The things that you really think matter at one point really don't matter at all. 
He listened. He obeyed. See, this was the secret to Abraham's success. He heard God speak to him. Now, God can speak audibly, but oftentimes he doesn't speak audibly. He just simply speaks through his word. He he speaks through a brother, through a sister, in a normal conversation about something you're praying about. When God speaks, you can't get away from what he has said. You'll hear it through a brother or a sister. You'll you'll read it in the word. It'll be confirmed on the radio. You cannot avoid when God is speaking to you. You are without excuse. You will choose to listen and obey or reject the very word of God. Now, a lot of people, again, as I, I mentioned, they're, they're waiting for God to call them. I, I, I want to be the next evangelist. I want to be a pastor. I want to be this. But they're not willing just to submit their life one day at a time. Go and do whatever God would have you do. Because in these things, he's preparing you. And I'm sure you have seen the hand of God upon your life directing you. It didn't make sense at first, but as you get down the road, you look back and God was there all the time. Your faith increases. Faith leads to always obedience. Obedience, trusting and resting in God's promise and God's calling. You'll never experience the promises until you listen to God. And when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do something. Now, we all believe here, I believe, that Jesus is coming. Probably pretty soon. Now, whatever that means, we don't know. It's real easy to believe that when times are difficult around us. But will we believe him for the little bitty things in our life? Will we believe him for our marriage, our jobs? That he can give us perfect peace in those things. See, it's those things that stumble us from moving on and we fail to experience really the, the grace of God. God's first word to Abraham was clear. It was a command. Move out. Go forth. Wow. How about you? We often fight God. Anyone fight God here? Am I the only one? See, it was a clear command. Go forth. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God. It's by faith that you obey. God gives you the faith to act. Even when it doesn't make sense. He gives you the grace, and all we do is we rely upon him. God, I can't do this. But you can do all things in Christ who strengthens you to whatever he has called you to do. His calling is always his enabling. Obedience is always God's requirement. Sometimes we hear God speak and and we think we have a choice. Oh, you have a choice. But you're going to suffer the consequences because God wants the best for you. God adores you. God loves you. He knows the future. 
In God's guidance, He's also sending you to a place to protect you. God expects obedience. Sadly, too often the believers treat His commands as choices. They choose His permissible will. They stumble and they wonder why things are going on the way they are because they're not willing to walk in the perfect will of God. They miss His glory. God requires absolute obedience. What I'm saying now chases people out of church because people, I want to do it my way. God doesn't really know my circumstances and we begin to make excuses. And I heard people say that. I look at them at five years, ten years because we're a small town, we see it. And their life is falling apart. Apart from him, you can do nothing of any value. We need to understand that both obedience and disobedience have consequences. When you're in God's perfect will, when you're obedient, boy, there are blessings. There is peace that passeth all understanding. But if if you're walking in disobedience, it will gnaw at you. You will not have peace. You cannot get away from it. Let me read from Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 through 28. See, I'm setting before you Today, blessing or curse, the blessing, if you listen to the commandments of the Lord and your God, which I'm commanding you today, or the curse, if you do not listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way in which I'm commanding you today by following other gods, which you have not known. Now, people say, oh, gosh, that's the Old Testament. It's certainly the Old Testament. But it's the very heart of God. God's saying there's blessings and curses. God wants the best for you. And this is something that you and I need to hang on to. He's not going to send you into a fire where you're going to be destroyed. He's not going to tell you to divorce your wife or your husband. No, God's in control. God wants the best for you. God gave Israel a wonderful land. But they had to do it right in order to enjoy it. They had to eradicate those who were in there had gone to that point of no return or they would do the same things that those in the land of Canaan did. And they did what was right in their own eyes. And they suffered the consequences. Now, God summarized the whole matter in two words. Blessing and curses. Where do you want to be today? In the blessing of God or in the curse of God? Do you want the best or do you want the worst? Do you want things to go good or do you want things to go bad? Oh, they may start good. But do you know how rotten it can be when you're not in the will of God? How miserable you can be? This is why he says, it's Old Testament, but it's it's a law. If you walk and choose to walk in God's perfect will, or the book of Judah talks about, keep yourself in the love of God. 
keep yourself in a place that God can lavish you with his love and bless you and provide for you. See, they could have either one if they simply obeyed God and he would bless them. If they disobeyed, then God would curse them. Bottom line is simple. No, there's a choice. What do you choose? What do you tell your kids? And this is very important because your kids are growing up, they're watching you. Are you walking in that perfect will or not? Abraham was a a model example. Was he perfect? No. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. But he wanted to do the right thing. See, let no one think that he will sin successfully. There is no successful sin. Oh, you may be a good sinner, but you're going to pay the consequences of that. Good at sinning. But there's no good fruit from it. This is the the lesson that Abraham learned as he went down that road. God blesses obedience, but he punishes disobedience. Obedience is the greatest test of God's love. If you love me, he says, then you'll keep my commands. Now, no one's going to keep them perfectly, but but if that's your desire to always obey, you can confess and repent and get back on that track. But you're going to walk a little closer with him. Jesus said in Luke 11, verse 28, but he said, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. James talks about being, it's not just enough to be a hearer of the word, you must be a a doer of the word. This is something we need to teach our kids, our grandkids, something that the community needs to see. That wherever you go, wherever I go, that that they see the hand of God upon our lives, that blessing as they did in Joseph's life in the Old Testament. Does the world see the hand of God? God guiding, God providing. And then again in John chapter 14, verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. So, again, this this idea, if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. If your kids love you, they will listen and they will obey. Oh, there'll be struggles. I certainly did when I was a kid. There's that learning process. But but we're supposed to be grown-ups, not kids anymore. We're to honor God. We know the consequences. Hopefully we've learned it by now. If we don't do these things, we will suffer because of them. I love the fact that obedience stood out in the life of Abraham. Example for you, an example for me. You know what? He didn't go kicking and screaming. There was no hesitation or demand of explanation. You've got to tell me why and where we're going. What kind of house will I have? What kind of car? What kind of income will I have? No, he went without a complaint. It was a long, long trip. See, the things of God require us 
that we ought to be willing to do it. Because we know that God wants the best for us. What does God want for you? What, what is it that pleases God? Micah 6, 8 says this. He's told you, O oh man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God? Walking humbly with our God is listening to him, following him, keeping his commands, not shaking fist at him, not demanding from him, but walking with him as Enoch did. What does the Most High seek in return from us? Not extravagant animal sacrifices that we saw in the Old Testament. That there was a teaching on that. And certainly not human sacrifices, but justice, mercy, and humility. To live in American uh, culture, what is required of you? Not humility, pride, arrogance, self-righteousness, self-centeredness. Quite a difference, isn't it? There's something else that we see about Abraham's faith. It's a, it's a leaving faith. It's also in verse 8. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham, again, had the command. He obeyed. He also had God's promise and provision. Well, you understand God's promise. God's coming again. Amen? Amen. You believe that. But do we believe the other promises of God? This is not a little box that we pick and choose which promises we want to accept. Well, God's promised this, so I'm going to do whatever I want all of my life. No. God has given us promises. And if you choose a life apart from God, you will live a cursed life. You'll be separated from Him for all eternity. You will suffer in the pit of hell. I don't like hell and brimstone messages. But it is the reality of the scripture. Genesis 12.1 says this. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from the country, from your relatives, from your father's house to the land which I show you. It, it, simply go forth. Hang on to the promise. Are you hanging on to the promise of God? Some people go through the Bible and they just highlight every promise in a certain color or underline it. And they reflect back to it. God has given us his son. And his son is coming back. God has given us his spirit. A spirit of truth. Who will illuminate the truth. And people say, I can't understand. In reality, they don't want to understand. I can't obey. Well, they choose not to obey. All you need to do is turn and walk with him. And he will give you the faith. Now, again, we see, again, hear the command, yet fail to grasp the promise. The promise. Oh, we pick again and choose, but no, we, we should not pick and choose. The promise is coming. The reward, the inheritance, the white throne 
judgment is for the unbeliever, but the bema seat is for the believer. But, but we're expecting that, but yet we're not walking in his will. Abraham walked in his will. He wasn't perfect. But he walked with the Lord, just like Enoch did. Matthew 10, verse 37, 39 says this. He who loves the father or his mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And he who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Fact is, when we become believers, oftentimes we do leave our families behind and they want nothing to do with you or me because of our belief. Talking to a brother. Talking about the Lord coming. We certainly would like to go be with the Lord, but we want to occupy until he comes. Why? Because we want to see our family and our friends saved. We don't let his second coming become so overwhelming because there's people here that still need to be saved. Our children, our grandchildren, our family, our friends. We don't let it get out of perspective because God's given us so many other promises. But if God says go, you go. This demonstrates that love and obedience. We see this in Abraham. To leave your family, you know how hard that is. And if you're a mom, a grandma, especially a grandma, to leave your kids and your grandkids. Luke 9.62 says this, But Jesus said to them, No one after putting his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Picture Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed. They're being lauded as being led out. His wife turns back and she turns into a pillar of salt. There are people in this world that are so rooted in this world, they will miss his coming. They will miss everything that God has for them and shows where their heart is. They're hanging on to this world. They're not a pilgrim. They're rooted. They're comfortable in this place. They will not give up the comfort. But this world will vanish one day. It will be destroyed. Again, in Luke 9.62, he says this. No one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom. And, and this becomes a stumbling block for so many. They, they start that race well, uh, but then they fall. They become sidetracked. See, Abraham was not half-hearted. He was all in it. He was going to go and he was going to trust the Lord. He was going to leave everything behind. This is the willing faith. This is the faith that God calls you and me to. One that's committed to God. Genesis 12, 4 says this. So Abraham went forth from the land and had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. He wasn't a young whippersnapper. Late in life to, to pick up and start all over again. Come on now. How many would like to start all over today? Buy a new house. Do this. Start a new job, new career. But when you cast your cares upon him, he is the one that will sustain you and keep you 
inspire you, give you the peace. His spirit will lead you. Faith not only obeys, it obeys regardless of whatever evidence or no evidence. Please catch this. Faith, again, acts regardless of the conditions. If you believe God and he calls you to give up some comfort zone, you're not going to weigh the evidence. You only have one choice, to obey him. That is for the believer. The unbeliever, the apostate, is the one who will fall away, will choose the other one. And these are times that we need to examine our own hearts. The only thing that Abraham had when he left home was his command and the promise of God. He didn't have a road map. He didn't have a GPS. He simply went. Again, many people might step out in faith if God would only give them all the details of it. How many would like to know what's going to happen this next year? I would. But we walk by faith, not by sight. We'll walk by promise. We know that he's in control no matter what is happening. We don't need to fret. We don't need to worry. We just need to keep walking. There's a book. It's called, uh, it's a little devotional book. It's a great one. It's called Praise of Plotters. You can read a, a, you know, a page and a half devotion at a time. And the idea is that you, all you do is you put one foot in front of the other. As God gives you more information, you just keep walking and trusting him. You don't need to know tomorrow. That's the one that finishes the race. Many start that race well, but, but they fail. Someone once said, too many Christians are camped out on the edge of obedience, looking across the divide, trying to figure out the consequences obeying God. Well, if I really obey God, well, what's going to happen? If God has spoken, we respond. We respond to obedience. That's what Abraham did. Following God meant that Abraham had to cut all of his ties, every one of them. It meant he left his place of security, his comfort, to leave most of his family, abandon his house, and the rest of the life he would live as a pilgrim. How many, I don't think anybody's living in a tent, but how many would like to live in a tent the rest of your life? Especially in Gila with all the rain. Abraham lived in a tent. He was a pilgrim. And, and again, he never forgot his home was in heaven. He never forgot that promise. That's so important. We can forget that promise, get rooted down in this world, and this is what life is all about. It's my home, my comfort. He who has the most toys wins. No, he who has the most toys loses. Because it's not about the toys. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. At the word of God, Abraham left. And he took a life as a pilgrim. If you are a believer, you're a pilgrim. This place is not your home. It doesn't mean you can't have a home. But that home better not have you. You better not be a slave to that home. 
to that lifestyle. Genesis 12, 1 again. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from the country, from your relatives, from your father's house to a land which I will show you. See, if God were calling you today, would you step out in faith? Leave everything behind? Would you do it? You need to answer that for yourself. Would you be willing to go if he wanted to uproot you today? Would his promise be enough? If it's not, then you need to evaluate your own salvation. Because if you're not willing to trust in his promise on a little thing, how can you trust on the big things? Many people are deceiving themselves because they're trusting in the wrong thing. They whip themselves up. Well, Abraham also had a living faith. Look with me in verse 9. The faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob and fellow heirs of the same promise. See, the decision for Abraham to, make, to follow God meant that he would live this life in a tent the rest of his life. He was always looking for a home, a home that God had made, God had promised to him. He knew what God had said. He would see it with eyes of faith, but he would never experience it in this world there are promises that I've read in the Bible I know that I'll never experience in this lifetime. But I will in eternity. And that's true for you as well. Will you trust in that? Will you believe in that? Because God does not lie. And we trust and we hang on to those things. Abraham first went with faith. He lived a life of faith. Believing the, the promised possession, this land would be given to him, but he'd never experienced it, but he knew his descendants would be at it. He knew the descendants would be as, as numerous as the sand on the seashore. He saw with eyes of faith. It was enough that God had said that. He knew it would be fulfilled in the generations to come. Genesis 12, 7 says this, And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, Your descendants, I will give this land. So he built an altar there, and to the Lord, and the Lord appeared to him. When God gave him the promise, he built an altar. He just worshipped God. And what happened? The Lord appeared to him. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. He, he, the Lord, he saw the Lord. Now how? Manifestation, we don't understand, but we accept it. The Lord made himself known. You know, if you are a believer, the Lord has appeared to you in some way, showing you that you need him. He has confirmed in your heart that he is the Lord and Savior, that he literally died upon the cross for you. His spirit testifies with your spirit or my spirit that we're saved because we know what he has said. His word is sufficient. For Abraham, it was a decision that he would live by. He would trust in, he would rest in. He knew that what he was looking for was, was not found in this world. 
what does this world have really to offer you or me? But this world itself offers me nothing. The only thing that I will ever receive out of here is those that I share, those that I encourage, those that I lead to the Lord. Those people will go with me to eternity, but the world itself, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, it's nothing. The power, nothing. To be with God, to be with our families is really the most important thing, to be in his will. That was Abraham's desire. He knew what he was looking for. And just like that, as as he was a pilgrim, Christians, as pilgrims, should not be content in this world. Our contentment should not be in our things because we're stewards of it. All of these things we have, it's all going to burn up. It really doesn't matter. Sadly, most part of Christianity is so settled down in the world, they're no longer aware that they're supposed to be pilgrims. They're no longer looking for the Lord to come. There are people that I know that profess to be believers and say, well, Jesus is not coming soon. It's probably another 500 years, 1,000 years, and I'm wondering what Bible are they reading? That we should be looking for his appearing, looking for his coming. That's a purifying doctrine that we would want to be ready. Listen to Titus chapter 2, verse 14. I'm reading in the King James, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify for himself a peculiar people zealous for good works. Any peculiar people here? Well, the word also can mean just special. I like that. I I feel like I'm special because he set his love upon me. He sent his son to die upon the cross for you and me. Peculiar, special means we're set apart from the rest of the world. We don't share the same values as what he's talking about. Again, 1 Peter 2.11 says this, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from the fleshly lust." which wage war against your soul. See, we need to abstain from these. Again, as I mentioned, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. But instead of strangers, many have become settlers. They're they're campers. They're looking forward to the next event in this world separate from Christ. Abraham knew when he got to Canaan, it was never his home. Again, 1 John, as I mentioned several times now, says this in chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but from, notice the world. The world is passing away, also its lust, but all who does the will of God lives forever. All who does the will of God lives forever. That living is a quality of life. It is a, it is a life with God. Well, there's one more thing about Abraham here I want to call your attention to. It's in verse 10. It's a, it's a looking faith. 
Now that's Hebrews 11, verse 10. For he was looking for a city whose foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He wasn't looking for something here. Now, again, I want to make it clear. It's not wrong to look for a new house to provide for your family. I'm not talking about it. But being a camper so rooted in his life, he knew this wasn't his home. He was a very wealthy man. God had blessed him and prospered him. He was in the will of God. But, but this was nothing. He was looking again for a city whose foundations, an architect, builder, God. he was looking for that heavenly city. What are you looking for in this life? I'm looking for the Lord coming to take me to this city, this new heavenly Jerusalem to be with God. See, his faith in God kept him looking for what was promised, hanging on to what's promised. What faith? Well, Abraham moved from one place to another, setting his tent up here for a while and then moving there. He found no place of rest here or satisfaction in this world. This world had nothing to offer him, but he kept pressing on. As the Lord would lead him, he would press on. No matter where he went, who he met, what he had, or who he's with, something was missing. See, this world cannot satisfy you. And if it does, there's something wrong. It's counterfeit. It's not real. It's not lasting. But the love of God, it is eternal. Abraham looked for a city whose foundations again, whose architect and builder is God. It's kind of interesting. Perhaps Abraham moved from town to town Singing, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. I can't be at home in this world anymore. This isn't our home. It's temporal. This body that you have, Scripture likens it to a tent. It's not permanent. It's not fashioned for eternity. Abraham caught that. Abraham had a vision of a heavenly city whose architect and builder is God. See, many people are wanting to get out of here. Lord, beam me up like Star Trek. Escapism. The only reason we should want to leave this world is to be with the Lord. To be in the heavenly city. To be with Him and experience all of His promises. But to be with the Lord, that's what it's all about. To be in a world that there's no sin and no pain, no sorrow, no death. That's good. There's a difference. Abraham was simply looking to what God had said and it sounded so good. I encourage you to just do a search and read everything you can read about heaven. Johnny Erickson Tata, who's been a quadriplegic for maybe 50 years, I'm not sure, in a wheelchair, and she wrote a book on heaven. 
searching everything for the scripture. She's longing for heaven to be because that's where the Lord is. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He, he went to the cross willingly for you and me. Knew you. Knew you while you were in your worst. And he went. In Luke 21, 28, I'm reading King James in this case. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draw near. We often use that. Well, this is in the middle of the tribulation. Anyone going through the tribulation here? I'm not. According to the scripture, I'm not. But in this world we experience tribulation. Well, we should look up the Lord's coming because we see other signs that relate to us. Now, Luke 21, 29, 31 says this. Then he told the parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they put forth their leaves, you'll see it and know for yourself summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, recognize the kingdom of God is near. There are signs that we can recognize the trees represent all the nations coming together in battle the idea that really when you follow that and you go through the rest of that passage it's coming out of the tribulation talking about the setting up of the millennial kingdom well abraham's faith was a a lasting faith abraham's faith endured every command And that's important to understand. Everyone has a measure of faith, but not everyone has a lasting, enduring faith. Many people make a decision. They have a faith. Demons believe it's kind of like a faith, but they walk away. It's one of those most difficult uh, understandings of the scripture. People divide and argue over it. It's often taught that a person can have enough faith to get saved, but he doesn't have enough faith to obey or to endure life's tough situation. That's not what the Bible teaches. If you've heard that, that is not what the Bible teaches. A.W. Tozer said this, he says, The Bible recognizes no faith that does not lead to obedience, nor does it recognize any obedience that does not spring from faith. The two are opposite sides of the same coin. Again, let me read from Matthew 13, verse 20 and 21. Now, this comes from the parable of the sower, the sower and the seed. There's different types of heart conditions. We learn that Satan steals away the seed when it's sown. We know the last one is the good sower. The heart is prepared and it produces, it prospers. Showing the evidence of salvation. But here, I want to focus on one of them as it describes it. Again, Matthew 13, verse 20 and 21. The one whose seed, meaning the word of God, was sown up on the rocky ground. This is the man who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet has no firm root in himself. But is only temporary. When affliction and persecution arise because of the word, immediately they fall away. You've seen it in people's lives. They make a decision for Christ and something happens, a crisis in their life, and they walk away and never come back. 
and as persecution comes, many will flee. Many will try to save their life, but if they try to save their life, they'll lose their life. But if you lose your life for Jesus Christ, then you will find your life. Many are deceiving themselves. Nothing shows the magnitude of Abraham's faith like his willingness to offer his own son. I can't imagine that. Abraham was tested. Your faith is going to be tested. Probably has been tested. In verse 17, it says, And by faith Abraham was tested and offered up Isaac, who had received a promise and was offering up his own begotten son. This reminds us that Abraham was tested, just as you and I are tested. God allows us to get in some of the, the tightest spots to test our faithfulness. It's not that God doesn't know, but that I would know whether my faith is real or not. Have you been there? I've gone through difficult times, and then I realized my faith is real. He has sustained me. He has kept me. And it will lead you to praising God. Because you're kept by the hand of God until that day. This is the greatest test of Abraham's faith. The test of his only begotten son. To sacrifice his son. Human reasoning breaks down here. But faith obeys without explanations and answers. It doesn't make sense to any of us. Why would God even have? Because he's testing. Perhaps some of us need to lay our children on the the altar in another way. To trust God that he loves them more than I ever love them. He's given me promises and hang up on them. Maybe your kids are dealing with drugs. Your grandkids You need to lay him on the altar before the Lord and trust the Lord. That's all we can do is we trust our kids to the Lord. Again, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 18, it was he whom it was said, in Isaac your descendants shall be called. He, He had a promise, and he's hanging on to that promise. Don't let go of the promises that God has given you. Cleave to them. Isaac was the the son of promise mentioned in the scripture. In Genesis 17, 19, but God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for the descendants after him. You, You see that Abraham believed God. He trusted God. He rested in God. God, you say, offer him, but you said that I'm going to believe you. No one has ever been resurrected at that point. Abraham had this idea, God must raise him or something. He didn't understand it. By faith, he would offer his own son. 